Welcome back to the book club. I'm Michael Knowles. This month, we will be covering one of the darkest and funniest and greatest novellas ever written, The Death of Ivan Ilyich by Leo Tolstoy. And here to help me work through this is one of my darkest, funniest friends, Matt Walsh, host of The Matt Walsh Show. But before we get to Matt, before we get to Leo, in this fast-paced world, it's tough to make reading a priority. At least it used to be. At thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes, from old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, to recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. You can expand your horizons. You can challenge your preconceptions. Most important of all, you can sound smart at cocktail parties. You got to go to thinker.org, T-H-I-N-K-R.org to start a free trial and put your mind in motion. Now, from that high-minded, really exciting, lively thought, going to parties, expanding your mind, I want to bring us back to gory death. Matt, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. You, I asked you, I said, what, what book do you want to do? You're a, you're a learned man. You, we, could, we could cover any range of topics. You, you didn't even hesitate. The Death of Ivan Ilyich. Yeah, that's, it, it is very on brand for me. It's about death. <laughs> and uh, I think we talked about maybe doing confessions or something. There and were a I few thought, options in the air. Yeah, I thought that's not intense enough. I need something <laughs> even more depressing. Also, I've only read three books in my life. This is one of them. So and it's a short one. <laughs> it's so. a short one. Makes it easier. It's short, but it's really, really dense. Yeah. The book kind of gives away the end of it, doesn't it? I mean, there's, there's not a lot of suspense here. Right. Ivan Ilyich is going to die. Would you mind just sort of summarizing what happens here? Yeah, it's uh, so the book is about this this guy Ivan Ilyich, and he's a sort of upper middle class bureaucratic uh, type of guy, and very we're supposed to understand very normal. In fact, there's a line in the book that's great. It's it's something like uh, he, he lived a very normal life, and thus it's such a terrible one. Um, and that's Tolstoy's view of life, much like my own, I guess. But um, through a, a freak accident where he's hanging drapes, he falls and hit, hits his side, and it does internal damage, and uh, he doesn't realize at first, but soon become, comes to realize that there's serious injury. And uh, the rest of the book is about him slowly dying. But what it's really about is his confrontation with mortality and his own death, and the people around him, uh, their confrontation with it, or their refusal to confront it, which is the case for most of them. And that's, that's really what the book is about. It's about t- take a guy, just a, a, a normal guy, who, who's like most of us, lives and tries not to think about these things. Yeah. Um, and now force him to think about it. Um, force him to, to deal with it. And what I like is that he's not getting out of it. Like, you know, this is, there isn't going to be any miraculous healing at the end. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's, he is going to die. And yes. you know that as the, the reader. And uh, you're waiting for him to catch up and realize it. And, and that's, that's the whole story. It's, very, it's, a, it's all about his internal struggle to, to deal with this horrible reality. It's all about ordinary things. There's no, yeah. there's no, it's so much of the brilliance of the book is Tolstoy going into this perfect characteristic depth on all these little details. Like, as you say, this isn't a bad guy. He's a perfectly right. fine guy. Ivan Ilyich, he, he gets married, not because he 
you know, is madly in love with his wife. He, you know, he loved, but he, he also, he's just, that's what you're supposed to do. She's fine. He kind of goes through his career because he's, he's a bright young boy. He's called the Phoenix of the family. And so people think, oh, you know, he's getting good grades. He's going to, so he does, goes to law school and he, he has his career and he gets the right government job and he goes to play cards all the time. That's kind of his big pleasure. And then he gets a, you know, a little bit of money and he, he gets a house. And what kind of furniture does he get? He doesn't get really nice furniture. He just gets that furniture that all the yuppies get that right. they think, that they think rich people have, but it's actually just the stuff that all the yuppies get because they think the rich people have it. You know, right. so it all kind of looks the same, but they're all, you know, aspiring. It's like the Ikea furniture of its day. Perhaps. Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> right. a step above it. A step above. Maybe it's yeah. like, uh, I don't know, Pottery Barn. I yeah, don't there know, we something go. There like we go. that, right? It's, but it's, it's all this, he's doing it because that is what you're supposed to do. He keeps coming back to this French phrase, which is, comme il faut, uh, as one does, as one ought to do. You know, it's, nothing is, is because he's, got some deep yearning of the heart or some, some real spiritual insight. It's just that this is the life that one happens to lead. And right. when, he, when he has to face death for the first time in his life, he starts to think, wait a second, I hate my life. I hate my wife. I hate this family around me. I kind of hate the way that people interact. I just, I hate it all. And yeah. uh, it's, not, it's not a happy death, at least not until the very end. Yeah, I I love it. At the end, he he stumbles on this idea of uh, I haven't lived as I as I ought to have lived, and that and that occurs to him days before his death. And at first, he he reacts to it with uh, almost like it's an absurd thought. Like, yeah. what do you mean I haven't lived as I ought to? Because he starts reviewing in his mind. Well, I had a good job, and I and I, I lived a, a decorous life um, according to the values of his of his day, and the idea that that could somehow be wrong or that that's not enough, that there should have been more to life, uh, hadn't, had hardly occurred to him. And now all of these things that, that uh, had never occurred to him now are. So there's a, there's a line in the book that I like where he says, he's thinking about death, and, he, and it says that, Tolstoy says that death is presenting itself to him and there's nothing he can do with it except to look at it and suffer. Because there is, it's just, it's there. You can't do anything about it. And, and this makes me think to current day, um, a, a lot of what's happened really over the last year with mm. society forced to have, or at least given the opportunity to have its own death of Ivan Ilyich moment, confronting the reality of your own mortality. But so many people recoiled from that um, and thought, well, there's got to be, there's got to be something we can do about this. Like the fact that we're mortal and we're going to die. We, there must be something we can do. We, we, we have to do something. A lot of the, the policies that we put in place for, for COVID, it's not that it necessarily makes sense, but it's something. And so there was this attitude of, well, do something. Just do anything because we can't allow this to, to, to be real. We can't allow ourselves to be mortal. Uh, and, but, and actually on the topic of the last year that we've all endured this public health regime that we're living in, Tolstoy makes an explicit point to go after doctors and medical experts in Death of Ivan Ilyich. He says, you know, and the doctors all came and uh, they, they didn't really know what the problem was. Well, no, they all knew. It's just that they all had completely different answers for what the problem was. And so he goes to one, you know, Ivan goes to one doctor and he, that doesn't really work. And he goes to another uh, homeopathic doctor and that doesn't work. And then, then he starts to think about praying to icons. 
And that's a step too far for him. He says, I ain't doing that. I'm going back to the doctors, even though I think they're all a bunch of idiots. Ultimately, they don't help him. The guy's got to die. Yeah. Really, in the last hours, he he experiences some freedom in simply accepting what he had no choice but to accept from the beginning anyway. Um, And, you know, there's there's a, a line at the end, another great line, where he says this... You know, this is this is the end of death. He realizes that um, that that's what death is. I I kind of like how so when I first read this book, I expected it to be a lot more explicitly religious than it was. Yes, yeah. Um, and there's some of that, you know, but but Tolstoy doesn't really tell us a lot about his religious status. I think we're given the impression that he's just kind of he's not an atheist or anything. He doesn't really have a definite stance on religion. It's it's sort of part of the it's in the peripherals part of his life. He does resort to praying a couple of times very briefly. Uh, but there's never, there's never that intent, that that really explicit moment where he has this conversion experience. I kind of like, I'm a big Dostoevsky fan, yeah. but I think that if Dostoevsky had had this story, yeah. there would have been a much more intense and expressive and explicit yes. moment where he's coming to Christ and uh, yeah. yeah. And Tolstoy can't do that because right. you know T- Tolstoy bears some similarities to Mr. Ilyich here. Yeah. I mean, even in. <laughs> difficult marriage, uh, you know, kind of uh, heterodox religious views. Tolstoy himself had had a religious conversion, but it was a little weird. I mean, it certainly wasn't exactly orthodox. And there's this great, it's, I'm not going to say it's my favorite moment in the story, but it's the one I found the funniest. And I I knew when you recommended it to me that it would be very dark and very funny. And, And there's this moment where he's, he's, his wife, who he's, he hates, he hates this poor wife, and, and she's sort of not that lovable anyway, yeah. but she says, hey, would you please, would you please take communion? And he says, I don't want communion. I don't want to confess, and I don't want some priest. She goes, please for me, and he goes, fine, I'll do it. And he does it, and he, he actually starts to feel better. He says, when he took communion, there were tears in his eyes. And just to give you a little sense of the, the language here of this dark <laughs> Russian literature, he then she asks him, oh, you feel better, right? And he goes, he's gritting his teeth. He goes, yeah, yeah, I do. And he says, he says, as he's looking at her, he thinks, this is wrong. Everything you, <laughs> thinking of his wife, have lived by and still do is a lie, a deception that hides life and death away from you. And the moment this thought occurred to him, <laughs> I can't even get through without laughing, his hatred welled up and along with the hatred came physical suffering and agony. And along with the agony came awareness of the inevitable destruction that was now so close. And so he's still looking at her, and he screams, Get out! Go away! Leave me alone! Then chapter 12, the first sentence. From that moment on, the screaming began. <laughs> it really doesn't. Now, I don't know if that was supposed to be a funny part or not. You, you have a more you have a more morbid sense of humor I, than I do. I that. think I may. It's, uh, but, it's just so he has this beautiful moment. He's yeah. finally his wife brings him to communion. He says, "Oh, good." But then he looks at her again. He says, "I hate you. Yeah. Get out." There's so Tolstoy's great at this 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 novel. Anyway, it's, some of the it's absurdity that it's yeah. it doesn't immediately seem funny, but it is, but it is it is it is funny. Uh, there, there's there's a scene in the very beginning where they it's kind of the. The book starts at the end and then goes back, but yeah. Tolstoy's already, or uh, Ilyich is already dead, and his and his so-called friends are at the uh, funeral service, and all they could think about is leaving, so they go play cards. <laughs> yeah. Which, it, I mean, within the first few lines, they say Ivan Ilyich is dead, right, right. and then they say, "Oh, okay, I got to get back." You know, when do you play yeah. cards later? But that the line you're talking about there, that was that kind of shows you what 
Tolstoy does here, where there's never, he never gives you the easy way out. Because I, the first time I read it, I kept waiting for, and I've read that scene, and I thought, okay, he's received communion. This is going to be the moment where he has yeah. the conversion. Uh, his wife comes in, and they, and they kiss and make up. Uh, and then we're going to ride this out in a, you know, for the for next couple of pages. <laughs> yeah. He never gives you that. No, because each time no. you think that has happened, <laughs> uh, it's like Ilyich pulls back because he's, he's resisting. He doesn't want to yeah. be, he's, resi- he's resisting becoming a, a virtuous person, even, to the, even almost to the very last breath. Right. Because, um, you know, he does have, in a sense, a, a kind of religious way. He sees the light. He literally sees the light at the end of the book. But there is this question. I, I, as you say, I don't think the point of the story is, and if we all learn the lessons of Ivan Ilyich, then we'll all be good people. I think the lesson here is, if he had miraculously recovered at the end, he would have gone right back to playing cards and hating his wife. And he wouldn't, the problems that he is facing, these quotidian, ordinary, everyday problems, are widespread and in a way almost impossible to overcome. I mean, yeah. that's, that's why we see ourselves in the story. Yeah, I, if I had to take any lesson from it, uh, maybe it'd be something as simple as you're going to die. Like that's that's yeah. the lesson. And I, but, but there's a lot of value in, in realizing that. Uh, and I think one of the powerful things about the story is, is this contrast between Ivan Ilyich and his, his wife, and his daughter, and all the, the goings on. You know, at one point they go to, they go off to the theater, um, and he and he's getting so frustrated. Like in that line in the in the passage you read there, that they're that they're lying to themselves. And they're lying to him, yeah. yeah. Um, because they, as far as they're concerned, this is this is. And the, we hear this a lot in the book. Like the other people that encounter Ivan Ilyich in their minds, they're always thinking, "Oh yeah, well th- this is a thing that happens to this guy. It's not yeah. going to happen to me. I'm not going to die. Right. This, death is something that happens to him." There, there's one person in the whole book that does not lie to Ivan Ilyich about this fact of mortality, and coincidentally, he's the only guy that that Ivan likes. Right. And it's this peasant servant. This yeah. guy. It's it, and actually, I, I didn't even realize it until you know I, I was paying more attention to this character at the end of the book when he's helping him out and helping out Yvonne and holding his legs up for hours at a time and just sort of saying, oh, don't worry, pal. And, and, and uh, the character's name is Jerison. I'm probably mispronouncing that in some Russian way, but, but uh, Jerosim, let's say. Jerosim is uh, this peasant. He's helping him out. And uh, Yvonne says, uh, Jerosim, I'm, I'm so sorry that you have to help me and deal with this. You know, I can't get my pants on. I'm wasting away. It's gross, right? You know, and all the other people around him are, are treating Ivan as though it's, he's like unpleasant, you know, like a yeah. person, the f- phrase that he uses is like someone walked into a room and gave off a foul smell. You know, the death was just an ugly, ucky, yucky fact. Yeah. And Jerasim says, oh no, well, we're all going to die. And I hope someone does this for me when I die. And in the very beginning of the book, when, when one of Ivan's friends, Peter Ivanovich, uh, comes and, and he sees the servant boy. He says, Jerasim, how are you feeling, my boy? A bit sad? And Jerasim says, tis God's will, sir. Twill come to us all. He's the, this peasant stocky guy is the only reasonable person, basically, in the whole book. Yeah, and, he's, and he doesn't baby uh, Ivan Ilyich, but the, the, the fact that he will simply acknowledge the reality you know, it makes, it makes Ivan Ilyich, it's like, I think it's the first time he doesn't feel completely alone because it's got to be a very isolating 
to die in the first place is isolating, going to be isolating because you, you have to do it alone. Yeah. Um, but to be around people, it talks a lot about how he, he, he just wants to be pitied, uh, which is a normal, I suppose, a normal human thing to want. But also part of wanting to be pitied is you, you just want someone to acknowledge what's happening to you so that they can be in this moment with you to some extent anyway, come alongside you as far as they can so that you're not totally alone. But uh, he's, he is absolutely alone because nobody will even look at what's happening to him except for this one guy. So he finds, he finds comfort in that. Um, and I, you know, I, I do find the idea that we spend almost all of our lives trying to escape the reality of death and, tr- and not, not, not think about it, you know, that's, I think, a really powerful idea. Um, and, I th- and I tend to think so much of society is sort of structured around uh, blunting the impact of this reality, distracting us from it. Um, you know, there's, there's a book called The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker. It was written in the 60s or 70s. Um, and Ernest Becker actually died shortly after writing it, as it turns out. But, um, and that's, that's his idea that, you know, he, he thinks that this is, that we all have these repressed death anxieties. It's a little bit, a little too Freudian for my taste, but I think there's a lot of truth to it, that, that this is what we spend almost all of our lives. So much of what we do is really just to distract us from the reality of mortality. And then, um, you think about simple things like people go home and they, in the death of Ivan Ilyich, they go to the theater because this is 1882 in Russia. But for us, we go home and we watch Netflix for seven hours or right. whatever it is. Right. And it, when, you, when you think about it, and, and Ivan Ilyich, when he's dying and he's looking at something like going to the theater and he sees it as sort of absurd, like, what are you doing? Why, why are you spending your time doing that, yeah. given that you have so few years and that you're going to die? Um, I think if Ivan Ilyich were to look at people sitting around staring at a screen for six hours at night, he would say, what do you... Why is this what you're choosing to do? You do realize that one of these days you're going to die, right? Um, so that's, I think that's of part course. of the this. And, and you can't, I mean, the experience of the last year really brings it into contrast, into stark relief, how little we want to think about death and how unaccustomed we are to thinking about death and, and how little we want to acknowledge that we're going to die. You can wear like 7 million masks on your face one day, I promise you, you will die. Uh, and, and it's interesting that he, he didn't have a bad childhood. Ivan Ilyich says his, his life just got worse and worse and worse. He said his last good memory was sometime around law school. <laughs> you know, yep. And then after that, it really, really goes downhill, the worldlier he becomes. And not, not even in the, you know, it's not like he's going to brothels and, and you know, gambling away. It's, he's just, he's just kind of like working and seeing his family and just doing the things that not only everyone does, but that everyone is told that we ought to do, the things that we are told make up life. And he has this horrifying thought at the end and says, wow, what if I, who was, oh, I always got good grades and I did everything, I pleased my superiors, I got married as much for love as for pleasing my superiors, and I was, I was always attracted to authority, and I always pleased the authorities, and what if I did it all wrong? Maybe that... Is, is the real message in the book, if we could boil it down to one message, which maybe we can't, but um, you, that you don't want to be on your deathbed and, and think to yourself, I, wow, I really wasted my entire life, or the last truly joyful and meaningful moment I had when I was, was, when I was 13 years old or something. Um, but that's, you know, that's probably the situation that a lot of people are going to be in. And the, and the weird thing is that we, we all sort of 
know in a, in a certain level that that realization and that moment is coming. We all kind of, it's not, it's not that surprising. You sort of know that it's going to happen um, and that so much of what you're doing right now, eventually you're going to look back on and say, why the hell was I doing that? Yeah. Why did I care about that of all things? Um, and you kind of, you know it's happening. It's going to happen, but you, you just continue along, continue along the same path anyway. And you show, and you just keep playing cards and you keep yeah. sniping at your wife and you keep, you keep on ignoring this inevitable fact, even, you know, because the, the book ends where it begins. It, I'm reminded that uh, no one here, other, other than Jerison, is comfortable with, with death. And, and no one even is comfortable with being around the body. You know, right. when, uh, when he, Yvonne's friend, a guy is presented as basically his best friend, uh, Peter, walks in. He says, I didn't know what to do. He said, I... You know, I made the sign of the cross because I figured you can't go wrong. You just do that and kind of. And then, and even in this moment, he's trying to help the grieving wife. And what does the grieving wife do? She's just, she asks him how to milk the government for more money in, in the death benefits. It's all so worldly. It seems inescapable basically until the very cusp of death. I think that's maybe part of the discomfort people have. We've, we've all experienced this. I, I could probably relate more to that first chapter with the people and, and they don't really want to be there. I could relate more to them than I, than I wish that I could. Yeah. Part of the discomfort that you have when someone, especially if someone's just suffered a great tragedy or they've had a loss, and you, you don't really know what to say to them. And that's always yeah. uh, because we're so used to, usually what you say to someone is like, if they're going through something, you want to help them. Like, what can I do to help you? And, but death is this thing that you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And, and someone suffered a loss. It, you can't, there's really nothing you could do about it. Um, and when there's this reality that we can't do anything about, we don't really know how to respond to it or what to say in the face of it. And so we try to sort of navigate around it. I think another, this might be, maybe it's a stretch, but if I, if I were to relate this to modern day and symptoms of, of the denial of death in our, in our culture today, uh, obviously we find it in COVID in the last year. Um, also, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. I, I sort of see it, even in the fact that we elected a 78-year-old president. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. Because it, 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 in reality, it's a, it's a totally absurd thing to do, to, yeah. to elect a guy 78 years old to president. It, it, it makes no sense. It's, it's crazy. Even if he was the greatest, even if he could have been the greatest president ever, you know, yeah. which was not the case for Biden, but even if, let's just say, it's like the perfect guy to elect him president at 78 is, is insane because yeah. we, we all start to decay and fall apart at a certain age. Um, and that's going to happen to everybody. And once you get to 80, your chance of becoming um, senile is, is, is quite significant, especially if, you're, if you have this. And, so, and you, uh, you see it even in the delay of having children. People right. seem to think they can put that off forever, and, but you can't. Uh, right. Even in the reluctance to have children, people seem to think, oh, I won't need anyone to take care of me someday. I'll, be, I'll find my own Jerusalem or something. Yeah, exactly. When it, and and when, you, when you make this point about, well, we can't elect the guys. 78 years old, you, what you hear is, well, age is just a number, and you know, there's no reason why a guy can't do it at that, at that age. Well, there is. There is a reason, and the reason is that we're mortal, and yeah. we're all, and you get to a certain age, and you're, you're near death, and that's it. And we, <laughs> you, you, you just, you have to, we have to acknowledge that reality and respond to it in some way. That, that is, by the way, that could be the Matt Walsh Cliff Notes version of the book is, yeah, you get to a certain age, and you're near death, and we all have to acknowledge that at right. some point. We do, and we're all and we're all 
near death than we want to be. Yeah, I've been dying since the day I was born. Exactly. That's what I've been told. Right. And and but we we refuse to confront that. And so you see this obviously in modernity when we put off doing things and we just keep you know, Ivan Ilyich is a magistrate. He just he's got this kind of whatever job, you know. So people they'll put off the, the important parts of their lives, this the preparing themselves for death to what? To, you know, they go to the widget factory and they're a, they work on spreadsheets and they do this and they watch Netflix and they do whatever and they play cards. I mean, what it, what, what it basically is is the equivalent of Yvonne playing cards until some small accident starts to remind you of these, of these sorts of realities. And, and maybe, uh, I think we can prepare for that inevitability in, in better ways than others, maybe by reading Tolstoy, maybe by, by th- reading literature and thinking about these things, maybe by praying, maybe by pr- trying to prepare our souls. But perhaps to a certain degree, we just, we are pulled in by, by the uh, deceptions of this world. And we're pulled in by, by the, the ridiculous desire for, for an immortality that, it, that is at least on this earth, is it will be denied to us. Right. That's why there, there's, there can be value, even though it seems morbid, uh, there can be value in simply looking at this reality of death and, and not doing anything about it, but, but, but looking at it. Like, it's, you know, look at it and suffer. Uh, and then you are going to suffer a little bit when you look at it because it's there. I, you know, I, was in the, um, I was in Nevada a few days ago, and we were, we were in the desert, and... Uh, it was beautiful, and there are kind of like mountains in the distance, and there's these dark, ominous storm clouds over the mountains, and it never, you know, never came to us. It was windy, but we never got the storm. Um, but I think death is sort of like that for most of us. It's it's a uh, it's these storm clouds in the distance on the mountains, and you could choose not to look at it if you don't want to, but it's still there. It's this yeah. it's this presence that's there, and the clouds are coming closer and closer, and one day they're gonna be right over you, and it's gonna be dark, um, and that's and. You can't, and there's a balance. You can't live every second of your, your life obsessing over those clouds. But at the same time, to, to live every second refusing to look at what's there, um, right. you're, you're going to end up living this, this shallow, this ridiculous artificial life. artificial life. I and mean, then, he, he does this. You know, when he gets sick and he knows it's not looking great, he tries to go to work and focus on the documents. Right. And, but then every, there it is. There's that little pain. There's that little jab in the side, that reminder that actually you can't, you can't prolong this forever. Yeah, and I like I like the every little detail in the in the book. I think is brilliant, uh, and it's such a short book that it kind of he has to pack so much into each. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I find if you look at my dog ears, it's just it basically yeah, it's just every page. It's right. It's, it's every single page. Um, the 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 what it was that that caused this the fact that he was hanging drapes. Yeah, and they, and, he, and Tolstoy spends a little bit of time talking about how he's decorating his house because he just got a promotion. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's moving to a new place. He's going to get more money, and he's really excited about it. Um, and he's getting the house all set up, and his, his family's, you know, visiting relatives. And he's hanging drapes, and that's it. And, and then he, and later on, he realizes, like, I'm going to, I gave my life <laughs> to hang drapes. Um, <laughs> that's what does it. And <laughs> Right. Yeah, but there's, there's going to be something. There's going to be something yeah. that does it. I, I, you know, I'll make these calculations, and it's absurd to do, but I'll sometimes make these calculations. Like, I, I'm, I'm terrified of flying, even though I do it all the time, and yeah. I realize it's, it's, it's a... It's irrational it's fear. It's an irrational yeah. fear because flying is so safe. But every time I get on a plane, I think, where am I going right now? <laughs> is it, do I really want to die for this? Like, yeah. if I'm going to be so annoyed 
if this plan goes down and I died for the sake of doing whatever it is I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, I, I see a great novel to be written here by like Mat- Matovskov, Walshasovsky, you know, you on, on uh, the sort of morbid fascination with death on the airplane. Yeah, yeah, that's, it, it is, a, it is a, the airplanes are a place to reflect on, on. In fact, I read, I reread this on an airplane, which was not, I discovered not a good. No, not was a not good combination, a, really. I, I, I love to this final moment, which I, I, we would be remiss if we left it out. He's there, his son touches his hand, you know, the wife is there. His, his hatred for them abates in this moment as he's starting to see the light. And he, he knows they'll be better off without him. And, uh, and, you know, probably they will. And he, he's so weak, but he tries to say, forgive me to his wife. And, uh, but he can't get it out. And he, he says, for goodness, or for, you know, it's like a little hard with the translation, but it, it's sort of unclear. And then he, he waves his hand and says, you know, the only person who needed to hear it heard it. Right. Meaning the guy that he's about to go see. And he, he just sort of waves it away. And even in that moment, you don't get, you don't get that reconciliation here on earth. You're, you're not going to get that. That's not, that's not what, what you were fated for. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was the way the ending was handled was perfect. Um, because yeah, part of me wants the more, wants that, that moment where he's, where he's really crying out to God and he actually says, forgive me to his wife. Yeah. And, and she kisses him and then he dies peacefully. You know? Right. You've part of you wants that. Um, but wanting that is again a symptom of what Tolstoy is talking about here. Is that you, you know? Well, and and even there, there's sort of two final moments because what he says is in this moment he sees the light and he says for goodness, and then he's released and he feels no pain and, you know, to that that was it. But in reality, he in the physical world that his family's seeing. He goes on screaming for like two more hours. Right. I mean, she, she says yeah. at the end, oh, he was screaming in pain till the very end, even though to him, he's not. It, to him, when he, when he f- does make that turn toward the light and f- forgiveness, and he, he actually is free from pain. And he, he says, you know, he was holding on to this world. He refused to go away, even as much as he kind of hated these things around him. And he let that go, and it was, it was yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... It, you're not hit over the head with the spiritual, the religious element, but it is there, and, and it needs to be there. Yeah. You know, um, that, that's why I, I think there there are there are modern storytellers who could tell this story. Yeah. Very well, um, up until the last moment. They're not going to have the end though, and that's the problem because yeah. you, you you need that spiritual redemption. Otherwise, it's it's simply we yes. live this li- in this life pointlessly, and we suffer, and then we die, and we're eaten in our Flesh becomes worm food, and that's and that's really it. And, it. and if that is it, then you know, okay, right. yeah, it's, fine. it's nothing but misery and despair. Um, so you you do need that that little that little spark of of redemption that he, that he finds in the end. And it's by the way, I, we're not the only people that find some dark humor in this. It occurred to me as I was reading it, the comedian Norm Macdonald, my to my mind the greatest living comedian, has this very famous joke called the moth joke, which one can can look up on YouTube. And I realized the moth joke is, is, a, is sort of based on this story. It's based on the death of Ivan Ilyich. And there are really, really layers to that that are dark and funny, much like uh, this book as well. We have to leave it there. Matt, thank you for picking the absolute perfect story to read. 
I, I can only imagine what the next story will be uh, when, we, when we have you on here. I'll find something more depressing next time. Thank you, if you would. Uh, uh, without any levity whatsoever, that would be great. Matt, thank you for being here. I'm Michael Knowles. Happy reading. Thank you so much for watching this episode of The Book Club on PragerU. PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so we rely on donations from viewers like you to keep this content on the air. Please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today to help keep this content coming. Thank you very much.